It's a great time in the midst of a global pandemic to share strategies for wellness. The guests I've lined up in the month of April have invaluable wisdom for your personal well-being and your family. Hey, do the world a favor, and if you learn something useful, pass it on. It's fun to have a like-minded soul here on Women, Wine, and Leadership. Kimberly Braun is someone who likes to see the kinds of fruit in the world that I'm after. Um, the reason we tell stories is to help people um, find the strategies that we've curated. And, and Kimberly has a, a lifetime of experience um, helping people to um, center themselves and meditate and and find who they are. So I'm going to um, leave the good stuff to Kimberly to share a little bit about the background that, that you bring to the table, the 411 on Kimberly, where you come from, and what you love to do right now as an influencer. Awesome. Uh, from my earliest years, my earliest recollections, I had experiences of the deeper reality in life, of yeah. uh, essence, and of what where we can really find happiness and freedom. And that all came from, in my young language, when I was five and six years old, that came from God being a part of everything and everything being a part of God. Mm -hmm. And as I've evolved, my language around that has changed, but the same truth remains present and relevant. And I have found that that experience, because it's beyond belief, that experience has impelled me into a deep, deep heart connection with every human being and with mm -hmm. creation and, and a real passion and excitement around people realizing their wholeness, coming into a new place of inner freedom so that as they have that self-mastery, they master their worlds. Right. When did you first become aware of just the term wholeness and the concept that we are multifaceted when i was five years old oh, so that's when you were five and how did mm -hmm. how did that awareness i mean when i was five i used to say um that prayer that they taught us in this sunday school about i pray the lord my soul to keep and it used to terrify oh, me because i would say i please don't want to die before i wake <laughs> <laughs> and but yet i wasn't aware that uh, at that time that my whole identity is not about whether I'm a good girl or not. Yeah, that is such a great, great question. And by the way, I think that prayer came from the time of the plague yeah. and some other things like that. So exactly. it had relevance that you would pray to wake up the next morning. But unfortunately, it becomes a, a remnant that we don't need to pray quite that I way. Know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh, so many things, ring around the rosy, came from the plague. And totally. I, totally. when I, I started sharing those those little tidbits with my girls and they're like, Ew, really? I don't want to sing that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. totally. So I'm well, like, how does a five-year-old become more aware of how God made things? Where did that come from? It was a very spontaneous experience. And I was walking home from school one day, because we did back then, and all the world seemed alive. Uh -huh. it, the fall in Ohio and there was just 
the fall always excited my heart and it felt like the world was dancing with the leaves and the change in the air and the um, the, the way the colors would change. And I oftentimes would dance my way home. Yeah. And one time I was dancing home to be part of that dance. Uh-huh. I stopped at the end of my cul-de-sac and I was just taking it in. It's like you relish something and I was so happy and just taking it in. And across the way, a leaf fell from a tree and that leaf caught my attention. Yeah. It was like it grabbed me. It's like it reached out and went, whew. Huh. And when it did that, out of nowhere, this really deep sadness came up because on a feeling level and a projection level, it felt like the leaf was dying because it was breaking away from the tree. Mm-hmm. And right as that came up within me, this very deep question, like, is that all life is about? Yeah. We're moving towards death. As that came up, it wasn't in my head, it was in my soul. As it came up, yeah. immediately time stopped. And it felt like veils were just pulled back. And I had a direct experience that everything is being and becoming in God, period. And the direct experience is still just as alive today as it was then. It was one of those yeah. transformative moments. So it didn't really take effort and investigation. It was just a pure grace-filled gift unsolicited by me. Wow. And so from there, my life has just been only about that. Now, it has the, the similar human terms, turns like everyone has, you know, right. when you have doubt and confusion. But uh-huh. it, it always comes from that place of that direct experience. Yeah. I love the way you tell that story. Um, cause honestly, I have been that kid who sees everything, um, so deeply and feel everything so viscerally that my family would just say, Donna, don't get carried away. Don't cry because mm-hmm. of the hell. And I feel like what you're talking about, the things that women struggle with, we get stuffed early in life. Um, we're, we're pull back and we have our, our ideas and our thoughts stuffed down because they're not practical or they're strange or because somebody's a linear thinker and, and we're not, um, you know, I, I'm seeing now that women are recovering from the things that were stuffed down in their childhood. Do you think that's true? Yes, I think it's true for all genders. Uh, but speaking specifically to women, we're still in a world where, we have a collective consciousness that holds anything that is not on a linear material black and white path that holds anything like that suspect. Yeah. And so to, to have, since women tend from my experience to more naturally be really tapped in not only to the intuitive, but even to the subtle energy information of themselves of people in the room and of the world. Yeah. And we know this. I have a girlfriend who who felt the anguish of the tsunami the night before it happened. Really? Would anybody have believed her if she called up a radio station and said, there's a tsunami coming? You know, they would have been like, yeah, you're a little wacko lady. Oh, you know? <laughs> and I, I do think that it, it's not the establishment that pushes it down. It's that as a collective in humanity, we as a whole still don't 
esteem that kind of part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's part of the evolving and part of that evolving is us who have those kinds of gifts being willing to step out based on them, yeah. regardless of whether we're supported or not, regardless of whether we're dismissed or not. So true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it reminds me of something that um, a group of women came up with um, talking about how specifically women are held back in their organization. They said, we are they, we realize we are the ones who are going to make the change, change the narrative, make sure that we do it differently in the future. And I think all of us have to, to say, we are they, (laughs) we need to own it and, and start to live according to the, the reality that we want to, to be, to see in the world. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. And, and you go girls. All of you who listen and are, are stepping out with that kind of courage and oftentimes feeling fairly alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it is a lonely place. And I wonder if you felt that in your childhood that do you feel like um, people kind of understood this um, perspective that you had on life or did it take you some time? Do you know, it's a really great question because as a little girl, I assumed everybody already knew. Yes. So I was walking around. I never spoke about, I had a lot of dramatic experiences. Healings come through me, uh, other, all sorts of experiences. But I, I did really assume that everybody else was exactly the same. Oh, wow. If not better, so to speak. Uh-huh. Right. And so I- if you were the last one to find out. I never, I never shared. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, I think my experiences were so complete, there wasn't this sense of sharing because I, I had such a dynamic relationship with what I would call God that it felt complete. Yeah. It was kind of like when you make love with your lover, you feel complete and you don't think to then go out and just talk about it to everybody because you already feel complete. Yeah. You don't seek more community around it. And I, I think that's how I felt. And it was only later when I joined a monastery that I learned that many of the experiences I have and had might be somewhat unique, even for a monastic person. And uh, with that, that that gave me a, a, a deeper understanding of how, as human beings, the paths are many and varied. Yeah. Tell me more about that experience in the monastery. Mm. Well, I was on fire with love and I, my, my relationship really, really catalyzed in my late teens and early twenties where I was having a lot of ecstasy and unitive experiences and rushes of energy and all sorts of things that were happening, visions. And, and so my world was much broader than this physical world. Mm-hmm. And naturally, I became friends because people gave me books of these friends, became friends with these Carmelite mystics, Teresa of Avila, Therese of Lisieux, John of the Cross. They became such good friends. They were part of my daily life. Yeah. And it was, an, it was just a knowing that that's where I belonged. And entering there, it was wonderful. We largely lived in silence. We spent a lot of hours chanting and meditating and farming the land. And in that place was a great opportunity to get to know 
myself and to get to know consciousness. So, you know, that word consciousness, it, it stirs something in me. And I'll tell this from two polar perspectives. At my um, yoga and wine retreats, we do focus on meditation for a part of the time. And, and um, there were people who exclaimed, oh, that's what meditation is. It's really just being quiet. <laughs> but on the other spectrum, end of the spectrum, um, you know, there's a lot of, like Joe Dispenza talks about consciousness and becoming consciousness. It feels hard to grasp. Um, so how do you introduce the concept of, of consciousness to people who are kind of new to living in that higher state? Yeah, and it's a fantastic question. And I, I certainly let my own language morph to the people that I'm working with because I think there's lots of words that point in that direction just like consciousness does. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, I really give the open invitation to find your own word and to realize that the word only points to it. It doesn't capture it. Mm -hmm. But when I'm speaking to what the concept means for me, there's a 12th century, which I think came from uh, Epicurus, you know, pre-AD times, mm -hmm. um, phrase that said, God is that whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. Mm. And I would say consciousness to me is that it is a, a life pulse that is present both locally and immediately in every point and yet has no boundary. So it is the part and the whole at the same time. And when we talk about becoming conscious or growing in consciousness or embodying consciousness, all we're talking about from my perspective is awakening into a part of our essential nature that we always already are. So yes. we don't, we're not coming somewhere. We're not getting somewhere. We're not uh, finally realizing something. We're simply finally awakening into the essence of who and what we are. And when we awaken more and more into it, because it's usually not a one-time occurrence, then we stabilize. And in that stabilizing, we become whole. And in that wholeness, we have gifts that are incredibly powerful for our world. We have wisdom, insight. We have confidence that's undaunted. We have peace that can't be touched. We experience divine love where we go, regardless of what the circumstance. So those are tremendous fruits of what I would consider the awakening into the wholeness of being conscious. Yeah, definitely. I love the description. Um, God who is, was, and is to come. It can't be put into a box. It's not as small as what most of us have made it. Um, big picture. Yeah. Wow. So um, what is the focus of your work today? You do retreats. Are these meditation retreats? You know, nowadays it's wide and varied. Meditation and contemplative practice is a tool I use in everything. 
So that is always foundational to what I offer, whether it be a session, a keynote talk, a retreat, that is always a part of it. However, my passion is in the many different languages to help people come home to themselves through silence, Mm -hmm. to help understand the real nature of the path and shed the misconceptions. Because most of the time we lay ourselves up with a heavy yoke when it comes to our personal development. We have all these ideas of what it looks like and how we have to be. We, we do the shooting as is so popularly put. Yeah, I say don't shit on yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I love that popular adage, uh, but it's quite a bit to recognize another quite a bit to be completely free of that way we hold ourselves. So I, I help people come into that freedom and then go forward from the retreat in that freedom still. So it's not an isolated experience. Great point, because it's one thing to finally find that freedom in a weekend, but to be able to export it back into your life and really continue the same freedom is a lot harder to do. Totally. Connected to people. How do you think they sustain the benefits of your retreat? Uh, Well, first integration back into your daily life is a big piece of how the retreat ends. Mm -hmm. So depending on how long the retreat is, I will both be seeding that all along the way. And then in the end will be a deep focus and I'll work with both energy practices and practical tools. Like I always give people a manual and, but in, in tandem to that, most of the time people continue in my community and I have now, an online spiritual community that has offerings every month for free and online courses and ways to be like we're connected across the airways ways to be connected. And that's another way that I offer that support. Okay, good. I think it's really important in all of the leadership development work that I've done. The most important part of every program is that learning journey after they leave. And sometimes that comes together with coaching and sometimes it's uh, creating a collaborative uh, arrangement with the other cohort members. It's really yeah. important. Yeah. Um, so, so I so agree with you. It's so important. Um, it's funny. I just finished reading um, Falling Upward by Richard Rohr last night for like the fifth time. I, oh. I, I read it and I often review my notes in it once a year, but this is the year I decided to reread the whole thing because I realized that when you're in a different state of evolution with regard to your concept of God and your ability to to hear God and, and see the world from a different, more curious perspective, then everything is, is worth rereading. Everything that's good. <laughs> you see a different um you see different words, you see different concepts, you see the world through a different lens. Um, who would you say are the influencers who have guided your journey the most? That's really great. And by the way, I love that you reread that. That's just so awesome. And I agree with you because we're always a new creation. And so we're always coming to things in a different way. Yeah. Uh, My biggest influencers have been Jesus. I'm talking about... (laughs) I don't have real big influencers that are alive today. I, I feel I feel very inspired by 
pretty much everyone that comes across my path. Mm-hmm. I, I feel just as inspired by somebody who's bagging groceries, uh, who's present as I do by a brilliant writing. Yeah. So I, I haven't, I, I love that we have affiliations. The great way. Where we feel like we rest, we rest into a certain individual and the way they speak to what we're experiencing. I totally get that. Yeah. But perhaps it's my monastic influence. I, I tend to be very touched by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think everyone has something beautiful to add to our lives. And I love that you can see that regardless of title or um, influence. Um, it's it's hard for the average Joe to slow down enough to actually um, treat the people around them as humans. Oh, and, right. um, I just read um, Colossians 3 from um, the passion no the message perspective um the message translation it was really interesting how it um um jesus was basically uh quoted saying don't walk around with your head down keep your eyes up look around to see what god's doing and it was such a that's why i love to hear different interpretations of of important words like that because i see it differently and so much more meaningfully in my life and I want to be that person at the grocery store who um, really does see everybody as a precious creation from the um, produce clerk to the checkout line. You know, yeah. it's, it's really great. Um, boy, that's challenging. You know, I'm going <laughs> on a um, silent prayer retreat on my birthday next week. Oh, congratulations. Ah. That sounds awesome. So if I have one day to experience a silent retreat um, for the first time, because I don't think I've been silent for more than, I don't know, (laughs) three minutes. No, at the Richard Rohr conference I went to, we had 20 minutes of silence and that was, um, that was an experience for me. So what would you say is the best way to prepare yourself if you're going to try a silent retreat? Well, first of all, Uh, to recognize that your various faculties and inner states are going to be like a big ocean. There's, there will be lots of stirrings. You can't just will yourself into an open, receptive, silent place. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Because if you can prepare by accepting the, the reality of however your inner state's moving, if you can just allow it to be, let it be like the Beatles sang, you can sing let it be to yourself as you shift quickly emotionally or your thoughts run rampant then what you do is you provide a little bit of a breathing space so that the divine that is already seeking you can break into your reality yeah so i i love i never grow tired of reflecting on the fact that i'm being sought that i just don't need to seek that I'm being sought. And when I harness my intention and my focus to receiving that gaze, like the song of songs, oh, my beloved in the clefts of the rock, let me see you, let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and you are lovely. Wow. What if each leaf 
we could hear that being spoken to us or as the winds changed around us or as people at the silent retreat walk by, we felt it in their presence. That's right there for us. But part of the gift is realizing we can't get there. Right. And when we surrender the effort over and over again, it loosens up our ideas of what is blissful and what's not. And we can even find when our minds tend to go and go, we can even find deep bliss in that state because we realize our minds aren't us mm. and our minds are just doing the best they can. Yeah. And our hearts are always so malleable. And even if they carry impressions that are uncomfortable, it's because they love. Yeah. So a preparation for me would be that twofold of practicing unconditional acceptance and harnessing the attention to recognize that I'm being sought. Wow. That's really profound to recognize that I'm being sought and not having to do the work of seeking. Oh, it's something, huh? Yeah. How does it feel when you like, even when I say it, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's in. You know, even though I talk about life strategies, I get sucked in and sometimes I overschedule myself and I end up overwhelmed and I hold myself accountable to some state of perfection that um, is really not attainable, especially for a person who works alone without a staff. Mm -hmm. And so it's just good for me. I feel a sense of peace just slowing down right now and not feeling so frenetic to get everything done that's on my list today. Yeah. Mm, amen to that. Yeah. I, I always found for the longer I lived in silence in the monastery, I found that the more simple I became, the more I got accomplished. And I find that in my service now in the world, and especially in a world where many of us are entrepreneurs and wearing all the hats. Yeah. Uh, the world is overstimulated. So you have constant, constant oppressive grabbing of your attention. So with all of that, I always love to give the examples. I can give tons of stories that we don't have time now of the more simple we become, the more we seek and step into that it feels like stopping but we're not actually stopping but we are pausing for a moment yeah the more we do that the more we actually accomplish the more productive we are and we're productive in a way that is more effortless and less stressful right so really how we're designed to work yes I know. I the world doesn't support it. I know. But I know. I know. When I'm preaching to the choir there, but um, I remember being bothered by this one line that Dallas Willard said: "The way that you take care of your soul is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life." Ah, oh, I love that. Ruthlessly oh, eliminate that. hurry, and I hear those words as if he's my grandfather speaking in my ear. <laughs> Um, I've never known a grandfather, so I've just decided I've I've adopted moms and dads and grandparents just to fill in the gap, <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's kind of great because I get to choose who they are. <laughs> so there are, and today was a day I'm just moving so fast that 
that I keep making mistakes or bumping and I, I jammed my finger in my desk drawer, you know, it's that kind oh, of, cool. and that's when I realized, Donna, okay, what's this an indicator of? Maybe you're moving too fast. Maybe you need to dial it back. Mm. And I guarantee you, as soon as we get off the phone, I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> but, you know, we're all always learning. I think it's so important for us to just remember that. What is the biggest thing that you have learned, new thing that you've learned this week? This week, one of the things I've learned this week. Oh, that's such a great question. Uh, Oh, that's a tough one. I, I If I had had it before, because I feel like I'm always learning so much, but I really want to give a nice example of what I learned. Uh, something new that I learned this week. Ah, well, this is a fun learning. So in addition to my ministry, mm-hmm. I just stepped on as the development director at a nonprofit, oh, which is nice. wonderful skills. And my strengths are relationship building and vision manifesting and all of that. But there's a component of the job that's the admin side mm-hmm. and it's accounting side. And I felt daunted yeah. that I would make really big mistakes on that side because I'm accountable, but I'm not an accountant. Mm-hmm. And I went in two days ago, really early before anyone was there to slowly work myself through the three platforms and the six entry points that we get to donations and do what I needed to do for the week with all of that material. And I did it, but I did it because I got up early and I let it be my sacred dedication. I said, I'm not going to pressure myself. I'm not going to assume I need to know it all and be able to do it fast. I'm just going to show up really early and just plug along the way I need to. And by, by the end of the day, I was like, well, that just wasn't bad at all. I got it all done. And, and I, I feel now empowered around it. So, so my learning was that I'm, I'm actually more able in those realms to be effective uh, than I think I am. (laughs) Well, I mean, what what can we not do if we really apply um, our whole attention to learning something? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the composite of what you bring is so important that learning these new skills is is a small necessary thing. I'm, I love that you're embracing that. Thank you. Openness. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it, um, I know you have a, a coaching business, and and you have. Retreats, if somebody is really um, connecting with you right now, what's one way that they can get in touch with you learn more about what you do? Thank you for letting me share that. My website, KimberlyBraun.com, has lots of great videos, has articles, has the way you can get in touch with me. You'll see my, my upcoming events. I'm just getting my events up there for 2020. Okay. uh, Because they're all going to be in the fall. But you can also learn more about my online spiritual community that I'm really excited about because it lets us around the country who are like-hearted and minded uh-huh. join in community to learn from each other. Nice. And there's wisdom shares and all sorts of other things that I'm doing. So 
my website, KimberlyBraun.com, or my email, Kimberly at KimberlyBraun.com. Two real easy ways to connect, and I'm happy to answer anybody and discern if you do want a relationship. I, I, I'm trained as a spiritual director, a Reiki master, and a minister, so the skill set I bring are help in uh, de-stressing and all of that, but mm -hmm. also help in, in coming to a new place of freedom so that you can be more effective in your life. That's really great. I would love to know a real quick perspective on this. Um, some, some people who believe in God think that the different energetic practices like Reiki are drawing from an energy that's not God. What is your response to them? Thank you. Well, my direct experience is that it's not so because growing up, I had the gift of laying on of hands mm -hmm. and healing through prayer. So I had those healing gifts come through me as a Christian. However, now that I'm not with any denomination and being Reiki trained, mm -hmm. I find the same healing is happening. Yeah. And if we look at the Christian message or even a God-centered message, if God created all and all is in God and can't live or move or breathe without that life force, yeah. then that life force is the way we come into health anyway. Yeah. So where we, where we harness it and focus it just gives opportunity for that life force to bring us into wholeness. So that's what I say. Yeah, I love that. I love that description. That's a beautiful way of telling it. I do too. He shows himself in so many ways. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. It has been fun and a restorative time for me. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you, Donna, for having me. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. I hope you are enjoying women who are well and sharing wellness strategies on women, wine, and leadership. If you're finding this podcast helpful, would you do me a favor? Hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and rate us. That's how we know what's working. And stay in touch with us through all the usual places. Just search 360 Life Strategies or Donna Carlson 360, wherever you hang out. You can also find something new at the wine store by taking a look at the labels in my wine palace on Pinterest. I hope we'll see you here next time.